0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Masari Happy Hour, episode 10. We've got the governor team with us today, along with one of our analysts, Johnny TVL. They'll uh, introduce themselves here in a second. But before we start, let's uh, begin with a quick disclaimer. All opinions expressed by our hosts and our guests are merely their own opinions. They do not reflect any endorsements or opinions of their companies. This discussion is meant for informational purposes only. You should not take their opinions as investment advice as you will be solely responsible for your own investment. Hosts and guests may hold cryptocurrencies discussed in this Twitter spaces. Additionally, certain Masari employees are required to disclose their holdings, which is updated monthly and available at our website. As always, I will share a link to our latest disclosures tweet. Um, And to kick it off, we had two governor's notes, um, actually four over the course of this past month. Um, but two that we'll touch on today, and we're going to lead it off with the governor note that was uh, authored by Joel and Tomas um, on the Uniswap Foundation proposal uh, and their request for 4% of the Uniswap Treasury um, to increase Uniswap grant funding. So if the group wants to kick off with a little more detailed primer on that, I will. Uh, I'll mute.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Doug. Uh,
0: so yeah, I'll go through, talk about
1: the, the primer for the Uniswap proposal. Um, so, uh, the proposed budget was 74 million. Um, and this is for the new Uniswap foundation, the legal entity that's separate from, uh, Uniswap labs, um, and the proposed, and and now since this, uh, governor notes, um, uh, this vote is passed. So, um, the team's comprised of Devin Walsh, um, and Kevin Ning, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, two high-profile members of the Uniswap uh, ecosystem. Um, Devin worked at Uniswap Labs and stepped down to um, put forth this proposal. And then um, Ken was doing the Uniswap's grant program uh, previous to this. And the Uniswap Foundation, beyond kind of like legal purposes, um, it's kind of like a Uniswap grants program v2 um so it's just like a a large increase in budget um to grant to the uniswap community to drive more value um and it kind of gets controversial a bit with some of the community sentiment um going back and forth which we'll dig into um from smaller members of the uniswap community um saying you know is this the right move for the uniswap's treasury and um You know, how much impact has there been in the previous grant money that's been distributed to the Uniswap ecosystem? Um, And kind of talking about deliverables and uh, quantifiable deliverables that uh, people can look out for in the future from the new
2: formation of the Uniswap Foundation. Joel, I I got a question for you. Like, um, broad strokes, DAOs have been using foundations for a long time, but there's a big I feel like there's more thought, well, well, I'm sure there's always thought about it, structure around it now. Like Paradigm is a really good tool around different legal structures. If you're doing a foundation as a DAO and Andreessen Horowitz or, or A16Z crypto, whatever, uh, also does a lot of work around what your legal framework should be. My question is like, why are, why are DAOs, why do DAOs need a foundation? Like, why would you do this? Why would you create a real world entity? What's the point?
1: Yeah, uh, great question. Um, so I think in this scenario, um, the one that they have, I just I pulled it up because they kind of loosely mention it in one of the comments, I believe, on the forum. Um, is would be like a, a Delaware C-Corp. So the main benefit for them is that um, they want to have an entity that acts as a liability and tax blocker, um, just with like these funds that are sitting relatively idle until they figure out how to disperse it. Um, which is just kind of like the main benefit versus the other um, legal options, wrappers, corporations, offshore corporations or foundations. Um, That's kind of like the main benefit. But once again, they did say in the proposal that they're going to spend some of the grant money to research this fully and um, put something out there to see what they're actually going to do Um, because they kind of bought themselves some time over the next six months um, before settling on one they've decided on. So they so they haven't committed to what type of legal entity they're going to make yet? Correct. They just suggested strongly that they're going to do the Delaware C-Corp just for the tax benefit uh, and liability reasons. Um, like there's a few other ones but that's like the main point that they, they stressed. Um, and so once again it could change based off research that
2: um, they pay for in grant form. Hopefully they're not talking to Michael Saylor's tax lawyers. <laughs> 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 uh, cool. I, 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 have a, I have a question. What um, you said this is kind of like a grants 2.0. How much did the Uniswap grants? What was their funding? Uh, like how much did they have? Because 74 mil is um, to most people that's a real chunk of change. So what did they have originally? Joel, you're yeah. muted.
1: Thank you. Um, been a while since I've dug into this, um, but if I recall correctly, I think it was like 12, no, 7 million, I believe. Um, oh, shit.
2: What, okay. So, but, oh, shoot. But, that's, that's a big. That's a big. Stub, uh, stub your toe there. Um, stub my toe. We toe. Uh,
1: yeah, so they. 7 million of uni. So it wasn't like USDC or anything. That was two. Um, 122 grantees over 18 months. Um, and that was where kind of a lot of people were lashing out saying. Um, you know what has the seven million done for the Uniswap community? Is that has the TVL increase? Has the number of users increased? Like, where's the quantifiable metrics? Um, so there's a little bit of discussion over that. Um, but I would kind of parallel this to like VC investing. You know, you're not really going to know for whatever five to ten years, um, and then kind of look back at that. So it doesn't really satisfy the community right now in the short term. But it's have to take a lot kind of a long, more long term
2: perspective on the matter i like i like that frame i've seen this in in a couple forums because it's like um it's a very tricky dance as capital allocators which is kind of what daos are with their treasury of like you're shelling out a ton of money for these different things and in in non-dao land like you do an roi analysis before you do these things usually like you you know what you want out of them but to your point, maybe in startups you don't exactly do that, and I saw someone right in front recently that like usually in startups you you do run like you're burning cash, so it, it's I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe Uniswap is grown up enough that they shouldn't be like just okay to keep burning cash, and at some point they need to think about actually making money. But at the same time, you can look at like the Amazons of the world and whatever who grew up for. Twenty years of their business and had no desire to like be cash flow positive and just reinvest in the business. Um, I don't know what do you guys think, Trevor Joel? Like, should, is, is this is that is that a fool's errand to say like ah oh, you know it's it takes money to make money or or should we be more structured with with Dow spending? I think that um, just jump in here is
1: like you want to think about like the maximum value. You got to, you got to take shots you got to take swings. And so, um, you know, you got to disperse that money. It's kind of like, you know, if you're, if we're paralleling this to VC investing, you only got to hit on like 10% or 5% of your investments. And that makes up like your whole spend of the fund. Right. Um, cause it's just going to, you know, 10 X, 100 X. So, um, and then to the other part of that is that I think with the Uniswap foundation, I just saw them post, um, I don't know if it was a forum post or whatnot the other day or just a tweet thread um, saying that they are looking to help one of their past Uniswap grant propo- uh, program grantees um, get more users through additional uh, Uniswap Foundation grant funding. So they're it's like a data analytics um, uh, DeFi Uniswap grantee that received money and they're trying to bolster them up with some money Uh, to other grantees to build on top of this analytics platform. So I think that's going to make something different with this DAO treasury spend is that they can keep kind of building on with things that are, the grantees that are in their portfolio, you want to call it. Um, And, uh, you know, big, you know, big macro picture, you know, I don't know. It's kind of like the spray and pray of, do they spend the DAO treasury um, to your question? Or is it just like they need to start making money, which I think, you know,
2: if you ask Hasu, that'll be a a different answer. (laughs) Yeah, true. Um, it's also quite different than just thing like the, it'll be interesting to see. It's very different than the, like, optimism grants plan where they're like, we're going to have this retroactive public funding grant, like sort of this specific DAO, which as a group will make the decisions for where we give this money. And I think historically, that's how grant, grants have worked, right? Like most, most DAOs have made grant sub-DAOs. And those sub DAOs have had multiple people who are like, who are assessing grant, um, allocations. And I don't know if that's, I mean, there's, there's a big argument of this now in VC in general, which is like, can you do VC as a, as like a tiger-esque thing where like, it is like spray and pray, like you said, or should be VC be more one or two, like smaller cells and then personal relationships and like funding great teams and founders and stuff like that. So. I think it be interesting to see how that plays out. Comparing this, I mean, seventy-four, seventy-four mil is no joke. As a, that's a pretty good-sized uh, business that that Devin and Kevin got their hands on. So, all right, cool. Yeah, I think it's you know it's a lot of
1: money. I think that with that, like you know the VC approach, like the the bigger delegates mentioned in this proposal, they highlighted that they were very like um, positive on the. Devin and Ken being on the Uniswap Foundation team, uh, which is kind of more akin to the VC investing. Um, I don't know, frameworks that I've seen these days are they're just investing in people, you know, instead of like the idea uh, the merit of the project. It's like if, you know, they're two-time founder or whatever, um, they're more likely to get, you know, more money, better support um, quicker and faster uh, through VCs. So um, I think that's another way of thinking of it.
3: Joel, do we have any uh, idea of how this compares to other foundations in the space that have been founded? Like 74 million is a lot of money, but Uniswap is also Uniswap. You know, they're not necessarily (laughs) um, one of these smaller DeFi protocols that is spinning out a grants program. Um, Just wondering if you have an idea of how that compares to other foundations in the space in terms of like native token supply and dollar funding.
1: Yeah, sure. Um,
3: So, one interesting part, to
1: caveat this before I answer that is that uh, Uniswap was pretty much the only found, Uniswap Foundation was the only one I found uh, where DAO started after they launched their token. So most of the foundations have been launched uh, right at the inception of the token. So this is a little bit different, so it's kind of hard to compare apples to apples. But, um, you know, that's why that relative percentage of like 4% of um, Uniswap's treasury is going towards this foundation. That's compared to, you know, the graph's Foundation, they allocated 26% of their uh, treasury or circulating uh, token supply to the foundation. Optimism allocated 64%. DYDX allocated 22% to the foundation. And Solana Solana allocated 12.5%. So, once again, it's kind of hard to compare. It's a little bit different terms, but um, there's definitely, even though it's a significant or more significant nominal amount um, of $74 million. it's a smaller percentage of the treasury goal in there. So um, I think that's like something that people might've overlooked, um, which is, you know, important to consider when
2: comparing these. Joel, my, I reading this right. It says $20 million worth of uni to cover operating expenses for the next two years. And then 54 million of uni in six to 12 months, which actually funds the investing. So, like this, this operating budget budget is not so lean. Yeah, it was 14, I think it was 14 million
1: that was for the operating budget for three years. Um, so they like expect to, what it would cost to build the team and um, pay top talent. Um, they kind of mentioned that a few times in the comments, I believe. Um, and then this, I think it's 54 million, I know, 20 million until the next tranche, I think I believe. So they go, once they've given out um, X, 20, I think it's 20 million for the first bit, they go back uh, to the Dow and get approved for the rest of the 74 million um, to, you know, have kind of checks and balances to make sure that the Dow is happy with how they're
2: spending the money um, on the grants program or the grantees wait so so what's been approved was they get 14 big ones to to build this thing and then in six months they come back to see if they actually get the money to to allocate it is that right uh
1: it's it's a combination there's like a i don't have it up here Um, dude how big
2: of a team are they putting together 14 mil over over two years E- over yeah over three years I guess they said over three years okay okay yeah and it's I
1: think they spec'd out um, I don't have the numbers here it was like I think it's like tw- oh, I don't know it's like either twenty people or something um, for okay. for all that and then they go and they have like a portion of it for the grants program for the first six or twelve months and then. Uh, they come back for the rest um, once it's all set up, approved, you know, just ensure that there's a uh, process on the legal side. Cause I think it was, they wanted legal to be done first before they got the, the primary part of the um, allocation of the 74 million. Okay. Yeah. I you think bet.
3: looking at the budget, they had six and a half mil for salaries uh, okay. and two mil for legal in the first two years as an estimate. So that's kind of, yeah. But like, a good portion of this is legal. legal, and then another one mil essentially for legal insurance. There's a lot of legal costs, I think, wrapped up in that operating budget um, that might be inflating it as well.
1: Yeah, I think you're right there, Trevor, for
0: sure. Before we move to the next year, gentlemen, do we kind of want to wrap with what the potential price impact could be of, of releasing this much from Uniswap's treasury? Or what the fears and, and concerns might be? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so that was brought up a couple
1: times um, in the forums and on Twitter. Um, always, this deal would be OTC anything because they've mentioned that they would be granted the money in uni, um, and then it would be flipped into USDC so that they could, you know, pay employees or pay legal um, in a in a dollar based a stablecoin um, and. They would. They said that this. They've. We're talking with um, private brokers and private uh, investors uh, to do this OTC, so it wouldn't have, you know, the, the impact on the exchange. But you know, probably a little bit of negative sentiment that you know, um, a fairly large chunk of Uni tokens are getting put out onto the market, um, and you know, adding to the circulating supply out there.
0: To wrap it up, what are the, what are the the group's thoughts on on something at this scale as it pertains to, to UniSwap specifically? Now that it's Joel, you said it was sorted. Correct, there. the proposal is passed. This will happen. What what does the group think in general?
3: Yeah, I'm not uh, totally surprised by it. I think we're seeing foundations and legal frameworks being created across the space. We've had four show up on Governor and it seems like the past <laughs> couple of weeks. So I think that's definitely a trend as far as the, the funding for the program. Uh, you know, this, these original DeFi and Dow class has always been very focused on grant funding and, and trying to create public goods in the space. So I think we're going to see more money kind of funneled in this direction, not less over the years. If we continue to see these OGs
2: be successful, um, yeah, I agree with Trevor. I'll, I'll Joel will take us home, but I, I think also Trevor made a good point that like it's Uniswap. like the they got guap, you know, they're gonna do it big. So it's a it's a big proposal. I I'm a big I'm very hopeful of like retroactive public funding and stuff like that in in crypto. Um, I'm not sure it'll work, but I sure as hell think we should try. Um, so I'm pretty stoked to see how this turns out. Yeah, I'm with
1: both of you. It's uh, it's definitely an experiment worth trying. Um, I I think it's kind of more down the public um, goods funding route, obviously, where you're not taking any invested... Uniswap isn't taking any vested interest. Um, I know Compound, I believe, has tested out this with a couple projects where they've um, invested and actually taken um, some tokens, whatever, in return. Um, So it's just an experiment worth trying to conclude, and... Uh, you'll see in probably five, ten years what the actual impact was to Uniswap and the greater DeFi
2: system of onboarding more users to DeFi, I would say. Hey, also just a shell Joel's piece. This is fantastic. The like graphics in here and it's very very, very good. Highly recommend. Thank you, sir. Spent a lot of time in
0: those circle charts. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh let's shift quickly to funds being funneled in the opposite direction. Um, The second (laughs) note that that we'll cover here is Fay Labs uh, unwinding TribeDAO in what could set a a precedence as one of the largest unwindings um, in the space's history. There, obviously, if you've checked out the report and looked at at the first graphic there, quite a few steps on the timeline leading up to this. So if uh, somebody wants to kick it off and kind of play catch up for us, uh, let's start there. Yeah, uh,
3: happy to happy to kick this off. So, essentially, as Doug stated, TribeDAO is unwinding, and they're the DAO behind Faye Protocol, and also Rari, which they acquired last year in December. It's been a pretty uh, well publicized ride for for TribeDAO and Fay, I think their entire existence. So this is a big uh, proposal, but it's not the first time they've been kind of in the limelight. So I think to kind of put this in context, um, there's really uh, a timeline of events here, but, but we'll just start with TIP 120, which uh, was the first big proposal that had to do with the unwind. Um, so essentially there are, there are three steps to the unwind that need to take place. Uh, there's a consolidation step which consists of taking all of the DAO's assets and consolidating them, uh, switching assets that need to be sold into DAI or USD or something that can be distributed back. Um, then there is an issue of repayment and how those funds get distributed. Um, there is also a redemption where Tribe token holders, the governance token uh, of DAO. Token holders would be able to redeem their tribe for treasury assets that remain. So those are kind of the three big steps. Um, TIP-120 was the first proposal that I mentioned that uh, was passed. It returned all of the unvested tokens um, from the core team back to the DAO. And then now we have, most recently, TIP-121, Um which is a proposal for the future of the tribe DAO, and it essentially puts all of the protocol protocol controlled value into the hands of the DAO to redistribute. Um, this is where it gets a bit messy. Uh, the first step of consolidation has been started, so they voted to with. Uh, let's see here. They voted to uh, sell a bunch of the assets in terms of LUSD. They are selling twenty one thousand ETH. Um, there's a number of assets that are also held by the DAO. They have approximately 50,000 stake teeth, which due to liquidity issues, they're going to try and find a way to either distribute to tribe token holders during redemption, um, or sell, maybe OTC. And then there's a number of governance tokens, uh, which they also hold such as index, Fox, um, liquidity, uh, or, uh and angle, which they need to find out a way to distribute as well since due to limited liquidity and the size of those holdings could prove damaging for those, those DAOs and their tokens, kind of natural economies and communities. Um, I think the biggest piece of this uh, is the fuse hack victim payment. So back in April, there was a exploit in which $80 million were stolen from the Rari capital fuse pool, which was a, a product of the Tribe DAO. The Tribe DAO voted not to refund the back the hack victims. Uh, and now that the Tribe DAO is unwinding, there's kind of a movement from a lot of the larger stakeholders to receive reimbursement for the funds that were lost. And essentially what you have here is a tension between um, the exploit victims and the rest of the Tribe DAO holders and community. Uh, trying to uh, trying to get their hands on the assets that remain. So that's kind of a high level overview. Um, I know Johnny TVL has worked quite a bit on the protocol in the past. So I'll let him uh, chime in if there's anything else he wants to add for the
2: Bro, I have I have very very strong opinions on this whole situation. So um, let me just want to say that I was not I'm a, one of the lucky few who was not burned by like the Genesis launch. Of Tribe and Faye, which, by the way, was f- flipping huge. It was like two point three billion or something. It was enormous, um, and a massive flop. Respectfully, it didn't work. It didn't work, and a lot of people got roasted. But it, it was huge. It was way too big. Like they, they never a V one product should never be that big. Um, anyways, nobody's fault. So. So, yeah, so my whole thing is I, I hate when people are like, oh, these guys are frauds. Like, they're they're money grabbing. Like, dude, there's $200 million up for grabs. Everybody's money grabbing. Don't point fingers at Faye Labs for money grabbing. Um, also, and I had a bit of like a tweet storm about this. They um, – there's no – like, there's – Robert Leshner, Zagoth, big fan, said like they should treat hack victims like creditors. Um, it's it's an interesting opinion, but, like, why? There, there are no creditors. There, nobody signed a, a risk agreement. There's no court here saying what the cap table looks like and who's of higher order. So, like, this is crypto. It, it's it's the sovereign world where, like, you take your own risk. So, no you know, no users of Fuse were promised that they were going to be less risky or, like, get helped out if something happened. Now, that doesn't mean we shouldn't try to do the right thing and, like, talk about what is the right thing and all that. Um, so fast forward to like what they're doing and it seems like, like they said, Lab said, we're stepping back from tribe. We're going to, they stopped their vesting in like July and, or maybe even earlier. And they said like, we're going to put it up to tribe holders as to how we disseminate the remaining value in in tribe down. I don't think there's any issues with that. Um, and I think it's great that a lot of people spoke up and were like for FOX tokens and, and uh, I mean, LESD is another example or like, uh, you know, the the V VBAL that they have locked up. Like, let's let's get these in an auction process or an OTC process because it would, you know, dump the token or some people would find value in it and we want to maximize value for tribe holders. Like, that's really cool, man. Getting this big of an unwind is, is really, really cool. So anyways, um, yeah, Faye had bunch of entrepreneurs who, who went huge it didn't work and then they they like saw a chance to find product market fit in november december combining fuse and Fay and went huge again with like a multi-billion dollar merger and they never were able to like launch their products off of that because of the, the the hack so bummer like sometimes startups don't work um they tried something really cool it flopped and happened to flop in like with a billion dollars a couple of times, which is, I mean, it's crazy, but like it did people bought the vision, you know, whatever. So anyways, that's, that's my
0: spiel. I've got a a question for the group before you jump in, Traver. Do we think that, and you all might have a better insight on what the, the voting split looks like for tribe when it comes to Zach's point on like protecting individual users versus, um, the, the team and the decisions they make. Do we think that there was something they could have done structurally or was the hack such a large issue that it wouldn't have mattered from like a DAO governance structure or, or voting power split standpoint?
3: Yeah, so this is actually really interesting. Um, the, the tribe DAO governance structure is fascinating uh, in that you have an elected council of representatives and the tribal counselor that serve as kind of uh, a governing body for the protocol. So this actually, right after the hack happened, it went to vote on whether to reimburse victims, and it went on Snapchat in an off-chain vote. So the way that works is all the tribe holders can vote on Snapshot. Um, if they approve the vote, it's up to the tribal council to go on-chain and execute that proposal. What happened was when the vote succeeded to reimburse the hack victims uh, and the tribal council put it on chain, it was vetoed by uh, another checks and balance system that they have called the NOPE DAO. Um, and I actually kind of like this, this infrastructure. Essentially, the point of the NOPE DAO is, uh, a, like I said, a checks and balance infrastructure that checks the tribal council. So let's say the tribal council went against the wishes of the DAO and went ahead and put something on chain, if 10 million tribe holders got together and said, we want to veto this, they can. Um, In this case, it was used to go against the actual off-chain vote um, and the elected, you know, wishes of the people. Um, Or so was, you know, really the interpretation. Um, I think this got misreported a bit on Twitter where people were saying, you know, off, off-chain voting isn't legit. Um, the infrastructure was, like, somehow rugged by the, the core team. And really, no, uh, certain insiders used the existing infrastructure to their benefit. Um, but I, I just kind of wanted to clarify that. Um, so what happened once it was vetoed is it went to an on-chain vote uh, where the decisions would be final and executed on-chain. Uh, When that happened, they were the proposal to reimburse victims uh, was not successful. And that's largely because a lot of these insiders voted again. Um, If you have access to the article, you can you can kind of look at that breakdown and and who was contributing to that. Um, But, yeah, that's that's a great question. And I think the, the governance aspect of it is definitely something that
2: that we can talk about more can you yeah, can you do you know anyone else who uses Orcapods in like negative consent governance?
0: Yes. Joel, do you know any?
3: Um Sorry. Rook Rook. Okay. Protocol uses negative uh, consensus I believe. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Joel probably has some ideas
1: too. I think I think Lido on the easy
2: track for validators uh, uses negative consent if I remember correctly. What do you, And yeah. you think, um, Trav, you were saying you like this. What do you guys think of that as a, I guess, I'll just give a touch of background. Like negative consent basically says we're going to like elect a, uh, a core group who is able to make changes and those changes will pass after a short time lock assuming they don't get vetoed. That's like just negative consent. So anyone who holds the token theoretically can veto, but instead of having every proposal need to reach a quorum and all this other stuff, it just kind of increases like the nimbleness of uh, of the core team. So, But you guys like that? What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it's – well, okay.
3: Uh, I think it serves a good point, and it's a nice kind of evolution from direct token governance, right? So we all know that you can't have people voting on every single proposal. Uh, you know, the tiniest parameter changes are are going to create voter fatigue And there's been a lot of talk about trying to optimize and fast track governance. So having an elected council is one way to do that. I think in the event that you do have an elected council, it makes sense to have a veto infrastructure in place so that if they try to overstep their power structure, they're held accountable. Um, I think in that sense, it really makes sense.
1: I think the other part is that, uh, one of the trends or talking points or narratives in governance is governance minimization. Um, that was authored by Paradigm, and then Lido paid for some research to around this as well for governance minimization. Um, and I mean, I've like I've, I've read it, I understand it. I mean, my my big gripe with it is that if you have um, negative negative consensus voting, or you go too far down the gov- min- governance minimization rabbit hole. Um, it's more likely than not that things are just going to get missed um, and that things will just fall through the cracks um, because, you know, at some point people just get in the habit of not paying attention, I feel. Um, So I think that's a greater risk than, you know, just for the sake of speed and time, um, which I think people should probably be wary of. There's pros and cons to both sides,
2: obviously, but just one thing that comes to mind when I read it. Um, I was really hoping, uh, (laughs) and I didn't get there, but like, I haven't seen anyone use these Orca pods with negative consent, meaning like you can you create this and we had talked to about this a little earlier and maybe, maybe we can get into it. Maybe this is like for another happy hour, but just kind of like DAO structure, DAO governance structure as a whole and, and where on the spectrum you want to fall of like doing everything internally or doing everything through service providers externally. And I feel like the Orca pods is kind of an in between because it's like you can fund the pod and then that pod gets rights to do whatever they want that people can veto, um, but I don't know anyone else who's doing that. I thought that was a pretty innovative, uh, innovative attempt at governance, but didn't quite get to see it. It's all until
1: Endgame by Maker comes out and just upends everything, and
2: you don't know <laughs> what you're doing anymore with all that. I thought that was a movie script. I didn't realize that was a governance proposal. <laughs> That that'll be for another happy hour. Um, I wanna say, I wanna bring in one other thing, which which is my favorite thing to come out of this uh, little debacle, which is the Olympus Dow proposal. Which is like like and I, I <laughs> Olympus is not afraid to play game theory. Like these guys get it. And they put forward a proposal um, in their chat to OIP what is it one twelve Align tribe voter interests with fuse exploit victims. Like this is the way they're, they're saying like, we, I, and I, I didn't go through the whole proposal, but like there's, there's no reason for tribe holders not to vote for tribe holders to get as much money as possible, unless victim hold like a uh, uh, hack victims, give them an incentive to like, that's crypto one Oh one, you know? So I would like to give a big kudos to Olympus. That's very cool. I hope it works way to play
3: yeah that was that was super interesting and just to give people some context as to why they're doing this uh they lost approximately 10 million in bad debt i believe in the uh in the hack and they've committed up to 9 million uh in voting incentives capped at 10 cent per delegated vote so they're kind of going all in to try and make this right and and get reimbursement for Rari hack victims. Which I agree, I agree with Zach. It makes for some compelling governance action, uh, which we always love to see on the governor team.
0: Do we want to close with with our thoughts on on the most ideal the most ideal ending to this line of proposals from? from the group not financial advice to your own research you're muted Johnny
2: oh sorry uh the, the most ideal would be that ETH rips into the merge and protocol controlled value doubles and everybody gets their money back but assuming that that's not gonna happen um yeah, I, I for me, for me, man, the idea would be they have they have a um, really well done like asset unwind where they take these right tail assets that they own have a an effective and like open auction for them to get as much money as possible for tribe while also like giving the people who want these the best chance to get them. And by the way, the idea of using tribe as a receipt token to pick up like little dust of all these other things, it's gonna it's just gonna be such a waste. Like if you're if you're a tribe holder, I, I think you wanna get as much dye or whatever they're gonna need. it's gonna be die in, in the tribe DAO as possible. So I'd like to see that online happen. One, I think it would be cool. Two, I think it would be best for, for tribe holders. Um and then I would I would really like to see the hack victims come up with an incentive scheme to align their interests with tribe interests. I, I don't have I, I empathize I don't like have a recommendation on how to do that. But I think that would be very cool. Um, And then, you know, everyone gets in Kumbaya into the sunset.
3: Yeah, I I agree with Johnny. Uh, I think, you know, it's going to have to play out how it plays out. And hopefully there's some reimbursement uh, to hack victims at the very least. You know, I think it'd be nice to see the smaller contributors who, who aren't DAOs, but actual people um, out there who lost money in the hack, I think they should definitely get their money back. And I think the proposals to date have reflected that. But uh, beyond that, you know, tribe tribe holders took a risk and <laughs> the Dow went down. So, um, you know, whatever they can get in fair value is is going to be what they get. Yeah, um, I think
1: that uh, it seems like they're acting in goodwill, a good faith. Um, I think it's an honest effort to try and make people whole as possible. Um, I don't really have a whole standing. I think there's a, a few more parts of the saga to go. Um, I'd be interested to hear what people want score this out of 10, how far it's the unwind's gone. Um, but I know we got to wrap soon. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, if you have access to this piece, uh, it's definitely worth a read. It's uh, not just the timeline of events, but, um, you know, some, some number crunching.
2: Um, is awesome in this piece so I highly recommend worth a read hey guys here's a here's a totally totally useless prediction i think uh tribe did their launch like in the beginning of april of 2021 like at the peak and then everything crumbled and then when we had a nice little bounce in like november december is when they did their merge and i think when this thing finally gets unwound that'll be the bottom that's that's it. that's the completely useless the zero quantitative prediction
0: Love it. Uh, Like Joel said, check these pieces out. We've linked them up top via tweets. You can find the links to these specific reports at the bottom of Joel's thread and the bottom of the thread off the the Masari account. Uh, You can also search for them by individual author on the Masari platform. Um, Join us September 6th through 8th. So We're actually going to have spaces next week. These will be with everybody's Favorite founder, 2-Bit Idiot. Um, He's going to be bringing guests on all week. We'll be talking regulation, the merge, and privacy. Uh, And if you haven't yet, there's still some codes floating around out there. Go to our mainnet.events URL and uh, meet us in New York at Pier 36 in September 21st through the 23rd. Thanks, folks.